our Zach on Film Major Spoilers summer movie special continues. Steven and Rodrigo are here, and we're going to talk the biggest release of the last week. And no, it's not Joseph Kahn's Taylor Swift Bad Blood music video, even though you should all watch it. Uh, we're going to talk Mad Max Fury Road. You know, I watched uh, Taylor Swift's Bad Blood earlier tonight with Rodrigo. I didn't. Oh, know, you did, you guys? I'm not sure I was a big fan of it. <laughs> it's weird. I just, maybe I don't care for the song, is what the problem was. Yeah. And then then it was being, the video was very distracting because it had star after star after star yeah. popping yeah. up in there. And of course, once Cindy Crawford shows up, I'm kind of like, forget everything else that's been going on. I did. It was hard to pay attention to it precisely because I was like, is that who I think it is? And I was yeah, like, yeah. So after the first three, I was like, I'll just assume that anybody I see is actually <laughs> yeah. who I think it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, not to talk too much about this music video, uh-huh. but I was personally excited. I thought, I don't know if I should be this excited, because, you know, <laughs> big big fan of Taylor Swift. Yeah, sure, nothing wrong with sure. that. I do no. know that she's a big fan of Kendrick Lamar, as am I. And she talks about how much she loves him all the time. It's talked about in interviews how she's always wanted to meet up, meet him at one point and do a song. And I got really happy for when I saw that he was going to be in this music video. And I didn't know it was a whole new song, which made me very happy. Nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah. nice. So, but Mad Max released last Friday also. Yeah, this is really weird because um, this is one of the first times where we've all seen a movie at different times. Yeah. And you went and saw it in 3D. I right? saw it in 3D on Sunday. And what you th- what did you think of the 3D experience part of it? I thought the 3D... Well, I, So I wasn't thrilled to have to go and see it in 3D, but... Time constraints forced me into it. Uh, I wasn't upset about the 3D. I thought it was used fine. You know, they create the distance even more than right. you know normal lighting conventions do. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, so that was fine. Uh, the trailer for Terminator before the film was freaking annoying. Besides the fact that that movie, I think, looks it's horrible. Be annoying anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then the 3D was like, oh, let's create space, but let's create all of the space. There will be no background. It will all be blurred. It will be great. It's not. It's not great at all. Anyways, so that was annoying. Uh, with the film, Mad Max, I thought it did, it did a lot of things great. I thought it used parallax uh, really well in the foreground uh-huh. to do uh, things, especially like the opening shot with the little two-headed lizard thing was mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, only annoying part with the 3D, very into the film. We're almost done. We've two hours, great. Action, explosions, fire, guitar. It's all been fine. And then that guitar <laughs> gets exploded and it comes out through the screen like, oh, it's, it's coming oh, for you. And I just go, come on, guys. Yeah, that's, one of, those, that's one of those things you not, don't, you don't see very it. often in 3D except for, gosh, the last time I saw it was... Uh, Cameron's um oh an avatar <laughs> yeah avatar yeah, well that's yeah. because you avoid 3d no you know do you? I don't because I, I don't, avoid 3D. I was I was really debating whether to see this in 3d because of all the just the crazy stuff you know the the guys flipping around on their uh poles and the yeah. lancers and the fire and all that stuff and you know we see that shot of Max being mounted onto the front of the car and being driven down I thought that could be some very interesting things to see in 3d and I really debated it but then I decided no, I'm just going to go see this in, in 2D. And a couple of uh, people who follow Major Spoilers on Twitter had commented that they thought the 3D was really good. And even though it didn't really add to the experience, it did kind of create this other dimension. So yeah. <laughs> no pun intended uh, to the film that that, that they uh, that they appreciated and enjoyed. But I'm, I'm kind of glad I just saw it in 2D. I appreciated their use of 3D in that it wasn't always noticeable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That it wasn't like, oh, look, we're doing 3D still, guys. It's so cool. Right. It was just was like, it's in 3D. Like, whatever. You paid an extra couple bucks, and there's this you know, this thing that we're doing that it's, you know, it's pretty te- technologically advanced, and it's interesting, uh, but we're not going to call attention to the whole time until the last minute. I saw the last show on Saturday after I'd gotten the kids to bed. I was like, I need to get out of this house. <laughs> it's one of those kind of days. I need to see some stuff blow up. And so I went and the theater was surprisingly empty. In fact, I was surprised that the theater that I saw it in was one of the medium-sized theaters and it mm-hmm. wasn't on one of the two big screens that they have at our local theater. But five minutes before the movie starts, I figured, oh, this theater is going to fill up. No, there was maybe 20, 30 people max in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I ended up, and this is the reason why I hate going to movies, two incredible douchebags sitting behind oh, me who would not, I mean, these were like dude bros to the worst extent oh. who would not shut up during the movie and just almost ruined the entire experience for me. So, and here I, you know, I used to sit all the way in the back at a movie theater 
back row if possible. Mm -hmm. But then over the years, I've kind of started to appreciate being like row four. Sure. And so I'll go and sit in row four because it fills up the whole peripheral. Sure. And, uh, but no, these guys had to sit right behind me in a theater that was mostly empty. Uh, I, I mean, I had about 20 people when I went to see it. Um, other than some guys uh, be sitting behind me ooing and aahing. Was when it the, the same guys, maybe? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> two, they went back guys? to see it. Well, this is ace. <laughs> well, so I was really surprised because I was like, oh, this is Mad Max. This has got nothing but positive reviews. It's got 98% over at, uh, at uh, Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. from mm-hmm, both mm-hmm. the critics and the audience. Uh, this is going to be packed. And then I was like, why is Pitch Perfect playing in the two Pitch Perfect 2? playing in the two largest theaters and those were sellout. I mean, over the weekend, obviously um, pitch perfect Two beat Mad Max by $30 million here in the United States. Yeah. And I think the reason for that isn't because of the Mad Max movie. It's because the movie is R rated and pitch perfect two is not, but that, that helps a lot. And Anna Kendrick's hot right now. Yeah. Hannah Kendrick's in that movie. Right slow burnt after release it really picked up a lot of popularity when it came out on dvd i think a lot of people started appreciating it and that, that kind of became a cult thing that you know, like was on the radio every five minutes uh so that had a lot going for it and you know P- pitch perfect 2 through the trailers seemed like it was going to carry on most of what was happening in pitch perfect 1 so it, it had a lot going for it i think mad max certainly caters to a different audience you had uh film geeks who were like, oh, like George Miller's doing this thing, and it's like it's all. And this it's is like Mad crazy. Max by the Mad Max guy. Yeah, it's yeah. Mad Max by the it's Mad Max by the Mad Max guy and the Mad and the Mad Max guy who did Happy Feet. Yeah, and so and then it's just like dude explosions, and then you're right. The R does obviously, as history has proven, lead to a smaller box office. But uh, critic ratings, this thing has been through the roof. Yeah. Uh, so do you, should we even try to just go through the story really quick? Should it's, we just lay it out in five scene? I think five it, sentences. I think it would be <laughs> Furiosa to go the is trying to get to the Greenland, and she's bringing uh Im- Im- Immortal Joe's uh, five Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe's. Everyone's names are really weird. <laughs> oh, which they've is, got some great names in this movie. Which is strange because going through the film, you're like, okay, that's Joe. Yeah, we're gonna call him Joe. Because mm-hmm. I don't understand quite what that first word leading into his name is. We have Max. Yeah. And then we have Furiosa. Yeah. Right. Uh, everyone else's name in this film I have picked up from reading people's discussion yes. on the film because yeah. if, if they, it gets, they say it, you don't understand it. Yep. If they actually say it. Yes. Yeah. If yes. it gets said more than once, you're lucky. <laughs> and everybody has some sort of accent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so, yeah. Some. So, in a nutshell, Furiosa is trying to get to the Greenland. She's yeah. taking uh, Joe's five wives uh, out of essentially slavery. Right. Uh, Joe being this crazy warlord who has yeah. control over not just the whole population, but a pretty sizable monster car army. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and in the process, uh, Max gets thrown into their journey, and it's a two-hour chase across the deserts of uh, South Africa. Yep. That's pretty much the story. Uh, I thought it was Australia. Well, originally, yeah. but I mean, I think it was shot in South Africa. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was shot there, Australia. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. Pretty much from the get go, uh, which is something that I really loved right in the beginning, is and hooked me. I was like, okay, this movie, I'm sold. Uh, Max gets beaten up by uh, this gang. He's taken to the thing. And he tries to escape, right? And he's doing this chase, like running through these caverns and jumping over cars and stuff. And. Uh, uh, that sequence is oh at the very beginning yeah, yeah the very yeah. very beginning mm-hmm. is sped up but it looks like it's undercranked like this old yeah, film it's, style and it's it, like oh my god this is funny because this is, reminds me of Charlie Chaplin running through being chased by someone well That's not what, only not only that but of. they also cranked they did crank up that shutter speed because everything is very very stroby in mm-hmm. that too which yes. is, to me reminded me very much of uh, Gladiator and the fight sequences of uh, Gladiator yeah. this film both uses both lower frame rates mm-hmm. in certain scenes and higher frame rates in certain scenes. Like some of the action scenes have lower frame rates, yeah. like the that early scene. Mm-hmm. 
making them look like really jumpy and like jittery and some of them have super high frame rates so that it looks like saving private ryan exploded onto a sandstorm yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so the movie was shot in namibia uh mm-hmm. australia new south wales australia and uh, south africa yeah those were the main locations okay. well, that makes sense just you know Large stretches of desert where they can drive seventy miles an hour while they shoot this entire film. And the the thing that the thing that is most impressive from the technical side of this is everything works. Everything yeah. is practical. The CG. I mean, while there are some CG elements in there, and I'll talk about come back around to that later. Zach, remind me. Okay. But I mean, all of the cars work. Yeah. Uh, all of the the ex, the the explosions work. So the doof the doof machine, the one where the guys playing the guitar and mm-hmm. the drummers are on the back, that's an actual car that had to drive and perform. So those speakers were actually blasting out mm-hmm. music wow. during the takes. Uh, doof, I don't know what his real name is. The musician is actually playing during the entire time. There's drummers on the back beating yeah. the entire time, and they're driving at 70 miles per hour. Wow. And I was reading, I don't know if it was over at MTV.com or where, I was reading an article about the person who was saying, yeah, I had to make sure all these cars worked, and yes, I did sit where the drummers sat, and I know what it's like to have sand blast in mm-hmm. your face at 70 miles per hour while you're trying to bang those drums. And so the flamethrower guitar is an actual flame, th- real flamethrowing yeah. guitar. Wow. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, after he said something on Twitter about that, I started looking into it more. And the guy had to show up. That was the doof, the guitar playing man, which was the craziest, most ridiculous, awesome thing that I'd probably seen. It was this guy just like, just driving down the desert. Another another amazing thing about the this movie is that it has a diegetic soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. But the guy had to show up on set like weeks before everyone else so they could figure out if it was possible for him to be blindfolded while playing because this character is blind mm-hmm. and they have the whole backstory of this character like oh well everyone has to be able to do something this guy was blind from birth he just happened to be able to play guitar Joe's like oh we need a dude to lead the charge as we go into yeah, battle yeah. let's stack up every martial amp known to the world and throw it on a truck and this guy's just gonna lead us into battle all the time yeah it's, it's, it's awesome you know it's the uh, <laughs> the ride of Valkyries from yep. Apocalypse Now yeah, uh, and, kind of stuff and, and I mean that is Part of it, the the um, Immortan Joe's crew. I yeah. forget they have a name, but I don't know. The War Boys. The War Boys. Oh, the War yeah. Boys. Yeah, they have they have a lot of Norse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, essentially ideas. I'm going to go to Valhalla. You right, know, right. But I should mean victory. Yeah. So that idea of like, you know, appearing before your enemies, beating on war drums, is is very much you know part of that iconography. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so what about CGI? You want to get to that really quick? Oh, God, there were some shots in there that just were like, I, I've been reading, I forget what site it was. Another site broke down why CGI lately is just crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is a scene and it's like, you're shooting out in the desert. This should have been very easy to do where Max and Furiosa are sitting in the cab and it's basically shot from her side out to him. And it's clear that it's a green screen desert behind uh, behind them, and it's like, holy crap! Seriously, guys, that's what you're going for—is some crappy, um, some crappy, uh, um, you know, green screen that you guys can't even composite and make it look right because the lighting on the on the characters was way different than the lighting in the background, and it's just like, okay, you've taken me out of the movie. Thanks, congratulations. And I just I don't understand why something as simple as that uh, could go so wrong. Now there's some cool day for night that I think that they used yeah. uh, to great, ex- to a great effect. Mm-hmm. But, uh, some of that other stuff is just like, what the hell? It's interesting. Maybe we're just not there yet. And it just seems crazy. Cause everything I've seen with, uh, driving plates lately, it's like, well, this isn't, this is insane. And maybe it's cause, Especially at night, because I was watching like True Detective, and yeah, all yeah. of their plates shooting yeah, out of a car. A lot of their stuff is, is the same way. Bad. Yeah. It's like because you have to because anything you do in a car naturally, you almost have no lighting source. Especially if you're at night, you just have like a dash light, and that's not really illuminating anything. So you're having to put some form of you know you're cheating the lighting a yeah. little bit if you're shooting yeah, yeah, inside yeah. of a car. Artificial light, and so that's I mean because everyone is in a car at night. Mm-hmm. Like that's something we are all experience. Uh, go go look at the Cohen brothers. Like I think it's Blood Simple. They do some great stuff in a car at night that has very little additional illumination, or the way you set it up 
Of course, you can't do it in Mad Max because there's nobody following them at night in most of the scenes, but yeah. you have the car behind you blasting mm-hmm. the light into the scene, the lights bouncing off of the rear view mirror. You have some base illumination that you hide into the dash, and um, that's what you use for your base illumination, and then you pump everything up to to, to get that exposure. But but then every like everyone's plates for driving well, have been like so bad lately. Yeah, and... and and I don't know what it is. Unfortunately, I think it's because, like you said, Zach, we are all in cars and we know what it's like to look out and see the scenery around us. The problem is 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, um, you would mount that car onto the back yeah. of a trailer and yeah. you would just drive around and you'd continue to do the shot. But that eats up a whole lot of time when you mm-hmm. have to get multiple cameras into a situation and knock it out in you know one or two takes. And to constantly drive around and make sure that you're passing the same spot again and again and again to make sure the t- the take looks right mm-hmm. is very is very difficult. Whereas go out and shoot a bunch of B roll of uh, a car driving down the highway from this point of view, this point of view, this point, of, and you know, at uh, 24, I think started to do this a lot with the uh, digital SLR, where they would essentially just mount like uh, six digital SLRs around the car and then just drive it down the street. All those you know, Seinfeld did it years and years ago. Uh, but, uh, you know, with the digital SLRs, uh, 24 did it. And then that's what they did. They just threw it all in the background of their mm-hmm. green screen and boom, there you go. But uh, that was just the one thing that I just didn't like. But all the other stuff, the fact that it's practical was mind blowing in, in Mad Max. Sure. Uh, so back to the story, did you think, because there are certain character arcs that are pretty prevalent in this film. And I guess the first thing that really struck me that set the stage for the film uh, is an opening title sequence. Mm-hmm. You get the, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Tom Ford. Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom, Tom yeah, Hardy. Yeah. Uh, as Mad, whatever the heck his last name is. That thing is hard to pronounce. Rockatansky. Sure. Uh, and the But then I noticed, if you look at the placing of their names, it's like Charlize Theron's Emperor Thurosa. Imperator yeah. Furiosa. Yep, that one is like above his name even though it's left right he's left she's right, right. she's definitely if you look at the place she's built is higher and sure. that pretty much sets the stage yes. for the narrative arc that she, if she mad, controls mad the max, story mad max is the point of view character in this piece but he is there only for the ride he's only along for the ride well, for the, i mean for the most part he is not he is not in charge of any of the situations no the I only mean, time the only time he's in charge of something and takes charge of something we never see what he does. If this is in the uh, in the uh, swamp out area, and he's like, "I'm going to take these explosions. I'm going to go take care of this guy. If I don't come back, you know what to do." And then you cut to Furiosa and the five wives and Nux standing around. You see an explosion, and then you see him running up the road. You don't see him doing any of the action of taking those people out. He is there just to kind of, "I'm here to do this, and I'm going to help however I can." But he is the person who is not in charge. And yeah. if you look at Furiosa's name, first four letters, Fury, Fury Road, sure. uh, you know, there's a big, big tie there as well. Uh, if you look at the posters, um, which I was very surprised that they did this in the posters, um, the posters are the two of them sitting next to each other, but Charlize Theron is closer to us mm-hmm. and Tom Hardy's wearing the, like the muzzle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, which looks super cool, but yeah, I mean, she is front and center the yeah, entire yeah. movie. This is yeah. her movie. Yes. Um, and, uh, Mad Max is in it, mm-hmm. but yeah, no, definitely. And I, uh, does that work with the title character not really being the title, the central focus oh, of in, the film in, for you? In this world, it works perfectly because Mad Max in the two films before this, uh, <laughs> in the two and a half films before that, well, I mean, the, uh, wasn't the third one was not directed by I don't George know. Miller, but, um, in the two films that he did previously, we are experiencing this world as Max is going through it. And in the first film, he's very front and center. The second film also as well with the Thunderdome. Uh, but this one, you know, he's just in, he's, I've moved on. He's the wandering stranger through the desert and he happens upon this situation that he is involved with. And when he's done, it's time to move on to the next town or to the next story or to the next adventure. And I'm perfectly okay with that. I mean, I really like this movie and I really like Charissa Theron as as the as the lead and the leader and man, I said it on Twitter and I'll say it again. I would love to see her cast as as Captain Marvel in the uh, in hmm. in the Marvel movie. And I would love if they if they really really wanted to push it, uh, if they were ever going to cast a female as James Bond, that's who I would want. Interesting. 
So I I don't mind the fact that it's called Mad Max and mm-hmm. it's all about you know Fury no, trying, drive. To, trying to uh, you know get away. It was kind of this, and, and who was I reading? Uh, like the Mary Sue was talking yeah, yeah. about how it was marketed as this right. Mad Max centric action blow up film, and it's like oh yeah no it's not what it is at all really. Yeah, and it's interesting if you look at it from that way because generally you would uh, you know you'd think. Uh, our our central character is the one that's going to be uh have the more challenging arc well i don't even want to say that but will change over the course of the film uh but it's really max whose like ideas and outlooks on sure. uh, furiosa and the wives well, changes out through the course of the film and that's why i don't feel that max is just along for the ride like uh for example even though the central figure in this is furiosa the biggest character change comes from Max, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to yeah, to an extent. Everybody, sure, sure. everybody is like, gotta get away from this guy, from this bad guy. Max is like, I don't want to be involved. And the moment that he finally gets to not be involved, he goes back and gets involved, yeah, yeah. right? Well, he, and he's he's coming to grips with his post traumatic stress sure, disorder, sure. and uh, through working with these other people and finding out that he can help them and not let people die in his hands, right. you know that is that is a that is a character that's a big character change for him. Sure, um, but you know he is not one that's like shut up. I'm taking charge of this rig and we're going out here and we're going to do what I say. He doesn't do that at all in this movie. I mean, he tries to, but it it, it fails miserably for him when he's like, oh yeah, I am not prepared to deal with this. These are the people that know what they're doing and who they're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, in you know, there's been a significant amount of I don't know to say significant. There's been a small vocal group of oh, it's not angry. a small vocal group. Oh well, it's a minority yeah. of people uh, yelling about this film's supposed. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just so dumb. Uh, like yeah, they're like yeah, they're so, so you got, upset you got, about the feminist. You've got, you got the men's rights activists who are like, "Don't go see this movie because these women are trying to take over, and this is a big liberal agenda, and it doesn't show women in their place." Yeah, it's these men's rights activist people that are trying to you know uh, ruin this, and it's totally just a stupid. I mean, it's they're totally stupid in, right. in their argument to to say that Mad Max is feminist propaganda. Uh, one of those words is correct. Yes. It is, in mm-hmm. fact, you know, about as feminist as action movies get, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, recently, exactly. Um, but and, and it's not it's not propaganda because it doesn't do anything that isn't true already. Right. Right? It's not like, like women have, like, shoulders and... Yeah trigger fingers so as they can fire as a shotgun mm-hmm. they have hands that they can drive with and in fact apparently even if they're missing a yeah, hand they can still drive so so it's like none of the stuff that happens in mad max is like unbelievable no it's in not. any way or or not any more than like a guy in a giant like bendy pole yeah, yeah like swinging around, back and yeah. forward while some other guy is driving and not literally everyone in this movie crashing and dying which is what yeah. would happen in mm-hmm. real life it's yeah. like why why do why would a guy doing this make any more sense than a woman right right and that's what i that's what i don't get now uh you know george miller uh has come out and said you know uh, early on we had um the author of the vagina monologues right. come on mm-hmm. board as a consultant I think it was, isn't it his wife who is the, the, uh, the editor on the film? I'm not um, sure. and he's like, you know, it became important for us to, to make sure that we were doing this in the right way and not coming off as a bunch of, in, you know, in, insensitive to, a you know, paraphrasing, mm-hmm. uh, to that. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for this. I, I like this movie and, and, uh, I mean, I liked it for what it was, but there are many parts of it that I, that I still don't care for. Um, mm. uh, but you know, that. That argument, if people want to make that argument, that's fine. That argument is not the reason why the movie did poor in the box office uh, at all. It's more of the R rating than anything else. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of people that are just like, no, this film is totally not a feminist film. There's nothing feminist about this movie. Well, and, I was, and I'm not t- talking about the men's right activists. I'm talking about uh, uh, feminists who are like, no, there's nothing feminist about this movie. I was d- d- I was reading a lot of articles this afternoon about it, and I, was got, I got done reading... 
the piece over at Mary Sue, which I thought mm-hmm. was really, was yeah, really was well really done. Good. Uh, did you read the one? I think it's over at CBR. came up late today. No, I didn't read that one. I read, uh, oh crap, I forgot the writer name. There's a piece over at uh, Slash Film written by one of uh, their writers, and she talks about the different forms of masculinity shown throughout mm-hmm. the film and how mm-hmm. uh, the the... The, the the vitriol form of mis, uh, misogyny that's shown through right. Joe and his mm-hmm. actions, and then right. how Max changed, and then it, they focus a lot on uh, Nux, the uh, uh, war boy yeah. who yep. joins the party, and then like switches, and that's a really good piece. And so I got finished on reading those, and I was on Twitter, and then Anita Sarkeesian started tweeting about the film. Uh, within that, so then I thought her thoughts were really interesting because she says, "Oh no, this isn't feminist." Uh, this is not a feminist movie. Like I understand why people are, uh, uh, enjoy it, but it's not. Uh, what should I say? It's not a feminist movie. It's about resisting a tar- cartoonist version of misogyny, but that resistance takes a form of more glorified violence. And she goes on and talks about a lot of stuff. Sure. And there's some things, and I was reading it as you know, Twitter just automatically you just right, 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 just right. popping lights. And uh, was interesting. It's like one of the her tweets said. Uh, Oh, we're not things is a great line, but doesn't work when the plot and especially the camera treats them like things from the start to finish, which initially was like, what? I was like, I don't feel like the camera was focusing on the wives much. And then I stopped and thought about it. I was like, well, to a certain extent, they do because they are this like perfect beauty in the film. So it's interesting. It's like, oh, you know, it wasn't like. Right. Not glorifying so, their bodies. Okay, the moment that they're introduced, they yeah. are introduced as this like angelic, sexy mirage. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's you exactly know. what it is. Because here's Max been drugged through the desert. Mm-hmm. He comes upon them. He's right. dehydrated. And he looks up and here are these things that are from everything that we've seen in the film do not exist in this world, right. right? We see people who have these horrendous tumors all over the body. We see people who are horribly scarred, disfigured, missing limbs, uh, just things that in in the world that this is set in are is common. Right. And so to see these, they suddenly become these uncommon angels right? Uh, that, as you said, come off as this mirage. Right. So I, I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Um, the message is there. The technique might not quite be there. I, I think that's a valid. Um, I think it's a it's a valid observation, and it might just be that um, even if you you know consult with someone and try to find out as much as possible about you know sexual slavery victims mm-hmm. and whatever, which uh, from what I hear uh, the filmmakers did, they actually went and, and did a lot of research. Even then, it's pretty hard to to a large degree to fight. Uh, you know, how long have we been making movies? Hundred years, hundred and twenty years, hundred and twenty years of the male gaze. Still mm-hmm. pretty hard to fight it. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, mm-hmm. not that you shouldn't. You definitely should. Well, the thing is, they don't. Uh, yeah, I can see where you're coming from in that statement, but it's not like they linger on it as a way to titillate the audience. I, I, think didn't, I, I didn't I think, see those I think shots they, as a way to titillate the audience. I think they get off of it pretty fast. Yeah. But I think they do. I think, and that's the thing is, the first time you see somebody is very important, right? Mm-hmm. The first time you see Max, he is covered in hair, talking to himself, <laughs> and is really bad at things because he gets in his super awesome Mad Max car and gets immediately yeah, overtaken yeah, by yeah, a bunch of gangsters, gangsters, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's Mad Max. The first time you see Furiosa, she's got her cool... Um, rig. She's yeah. got her arm rigged up, and she's like smearing oil on her face. Yeah. It's like okay, that's that character. The first time you see the wives, they are sexual objects. Yeah, which they are. You they, could, they've been locked up in a vault, right? You can yeah. and you can definitely argue that that they that's what they were in the story, right? Um, and then they the movie tries to transition them to not that. I would argue successfully. Yeah. By the end of the movie, each one of them at some point does something. Uh, whether it's a, and that's the other thing too is all five of them have their own, their own personalities. Where right. one of them's like, "Screw this, let's just go back," and the other, right. one, and the another one's like, "No, no, no," and another one's willing to sacrifice herself to do this. And you know, they they each have their own agendas, so to speak. Even though they are kind of the one group, and that's nice too, is that we're not lumping them all in as just right. here are these mm-hmm. here are these generic peoples. Right, right. 
There's yeah. not just like five random attractive ladies right, right, right. that get picked off one by one, right? right? Which is what if this movie was the movie that people expected it to be, that's, that's exactly what would have happened. happened. Yes. Mm-hmm. 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 Is this a? Is I mean, this film is interesting because it works on so many levels, but then it's actually an action film that succeeds in something I don't think any other film in this genre has done in a while where there is actually like thoughtful criticism and analysis of the themes throughout it. And it's not like, mm-hmm. oh God, the explosion, which was like Avengers throughout the whole thing yeah, yeah. or any Transformers movie or well, any like, I mean, superhero there, movie. There is, there is a lot of thoughtful analysis that goes into it. You know, I read stuff from Avengers, for example, where they were like, why why the one girl got to get hooked up with someone, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot of that going on, but it's not being treated as a larger discussion. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Mad Max really, really at least does a, a, a big effort to dent up the mold, if not actually break it, of what it means to be a lady in an action movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has caused a larger discussion so the discussion does happen but you're right mad max does achieve like did break that kind of uh baseline of you know the only people talking about this are angry ladies who watch movies now Mm. mad max has actually broken that through Mm -hmm. and the public at large is getting engaged in the discussion because there is enough in the movie to to challenge those views Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but but it's not propaganda at all, I don't no. think. Oh, no. There's and no, I, time, crazy. There's and, no you know, time for it to be propaganda. And I, and I know that the people are like, well, there's an agenda. Well, yes, there is an agenda because they purposefully thought about, well, we need to go consult this. We need to take this into consideration. What's the research we're going to do to put into these well, themes? You know, it's not like something was just thrown out there, but it's not like someone's twisting their mustache in the corner going, <laughs> look what we're going to do now. Well, and every movie has an agenda, even if it's not like sometimes the like what the the if you look at Mad Max as having an agenda, then you have to look at every movie having an agenda. Look at every meeting you go to and just, has an agenda. And just because something, um, the agenda of a movie matches the mainstream mm-hmm. doesn't mean it doesn't have an agenda. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there Transformers is, has an agenda. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has an agenda. Absolutely. It absolutely does. There are things about that movie that movie makes look cool. Yeah, yeah. That movie makes look stupid. Yeah. I mean- Actually, Ninja Turtles is a great example because Michael Bay kind of has this huge military yeah. fixation. Right. And it's like the Ninja Turtles fight soldiers in the Ninja Turtles movie. Right. N- they might fight ninjas and they might fight robots and they might fight whatever. But th- in the other Ninja Turtles movie, there weren't any soldiers right. except for right. the samurai in the one yeah, where they yeah, travel yeah. back in time, right? Yeah. yeah. That is an element that didn't exist necessarily in that narrative before that makes it a talking point that makes it something else what role does the military play in that movie why what does it mean when one of them slams their shell up against a humvee or whatever it was Mm -hmm. you know all of that stuff and it's the same in mad max Uh, every movie has something to say right um some of them more loudly but the reason why people notice it in Mad Max, the reason why people are w- weird about the message in Mad Max is because it doesn't fit the normal message that you expect yeah, yeah. from an action movie. Guy saves the day, rescues mm-hmm. the girl, gets the, the girl, yeah, gets the girl as a, as a trophy and for that, saving the day. And that was the that was the other thing that I really really like. So they roll back into the uh, Citadel mm-hmm. or whatever it's called, um, Joe Town, mm-hmm. and. You know, the plank comes down and they roll Joe off the top of the car and the the, the citizens who are living below uh, are just like going nuts about, yeah, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. Let him up, let him up, let him up. And so they lower the plank all the way down. They roll the car on. It starts to go up. You know, here are these, again, going back to this idea of angels. These angels are now ascending back up to um, hopefully change everyone's situation because there's mm-hmm. the water, there's the seeds, all this stuff. And then... No, Max. And Max is like, this is not where I belong. I'm out of here. Well, and Max makes it a point to, even though she's like half dead, to get Furiosa out to get her glory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he books it out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And going along with that scene, 
uh, in one of those articles, they talked about Nux's storyline and how mm-hmm. the bad can change into good. And they mentioned specifically when they're chanting, like, let him up, let him up. The people who actually go through the effort to lift them up are the little tiny kids. They mm-hmm. climb right. on all those gears and they're the ones that lift them up because mm-hmm. they have, like, it's a hope for the future, not in this. Uh, they're more easily changed. Or it's going to take some people longer that have been ingrained in this thought process for so long. Like there is hope for them to change. The good thing is most of those, change. most of those are, yeah. have been wiped out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in <laughs> the advance, because that's the whole point of going back to the Citadel is nobody's there. All the people yeah. in power are gone. So you can roll back in, have a, essentially a nonviolent takeover of the Citadel. All you mm-hmm. have to do is go up. Mm-hmm. And as long as those people are on your side, which they are, then it's a, it's a very nonviolent return to the city. Notice they didn't come roll back into the city uh, and guns are fire, you know, raining fire down upon them because mm-hmm. those people don't exist anymore. Right, right, right. right. Uh, so talking about the genre of this film, I was reading a lot of people talking about how Max kind of falls into, if you look at the way they're putting it together and the story flow into like a Western genre sure. motif mm-hmm. where yeah. uh, you substitute cars for horses and they do a lot of landscapes setting up these big battle scenes and then you are riding along through these things and they're battling much like we would see in a John Wayne film. We watched a lot of those uh, in Zach on film. Uh, and so I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, there's that motif and they have the lone yep. guy kind of like Shane just shows up and leaves in the end. Yep. Kind mm-hmm. of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That worked for you? I mean, does that work for you? Yeah, play. I, I mean, I think it goes back to that idea of what is what does Clint Eastwood do in the Man with No Name trilogy, right? He rides into town, solves the problem, gets out. Um, you're right with John Wayne. Uh, yeah, it can be very seen as a very you know uh, post-apocalyptic western, if you want to put mm-hmm. it that way. If you want to put it that way, I think I think that really that really tracks. Um, I think because a lot of the time, kind of what ends up defining the second or like the third act of a western is the main character kind of coming up with an idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, oh, we're going to hide out and ambush the guys or we're all going to sneak everyone out and leave. And that's what happens here. Even though uh, Max doesn't say a lot throughout the movie, the idea to whip around and come back, like the crazy gambit is his idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because isn't he playing gambit? No, I'm Shading no, no, no. Tatum. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's coming up in Magic Mike. Oh. So another M name, but you know, he's there. Oh, speaking of the actors in this and the X-Men, weird thing, uh, n- the two war boys uh-huh. in yeah. the car that kidnapped Max, both of them were in X-Men first class. Nicholas Holt yeah. was Nux. He yep. plays Beast, Beast. Yeah. Or, or in uh, Days of Future Past. And right. then the other one plays young Striker. Oh, cool. Oh, I forget what his name. I forget yeah. what his name was. Check out some of these names on here for uh, these these people. So, uh, Nux, uh, Immor- Immorton, Joe, uh, Slit, Rictus Erectus was the guy that was like my brother. Yeah, Nathan I had Jones, a like the super buff yeah, yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah, Toast the Knowing. That's uh, these are the uh, five wives. The Splendid. Uh, what's her name? Ang- Angarad. Agarad. Agarad. Uh, Capable. Uh, the Dag. Cheeto the Fragile. The People Eater. Bullet Farmer. Doof Warrior, that's the guy that's... uh, Guitar Man. Yeah, that was playing the guitar. The Organic Mechanic (laughs) are just some of the names that that we see in this. It's just like, wow, crazy. Well, and and, uh, it's it's that idea that it's the future and these concepts and names and stuff that we have continue to change, right? I mean... But it goes back into what we were talking about before, this very, um, you know, Viking-oriented... Uh, mm-hmm. naming convention for these these groups of people. You know, sure. you shall be known as Rodrigo the Bearded. Right. Because all the names, all the last names that mattered before, they don't matter yeah, anymore. Exactly. Right. So somebody being uh for example, I mean that's this is a perfect example. Max mm-hmm. has a last name. Yeah, yeah. That you nobody else movie, nobody yeah. else well yeah you don't hear it in the movie. Mm-hmm. But no one else does, right? He's right. like this relic of a bygone age. Yeah. Like the world has moved on, but Max has it right. to a certain degree. Well, and even right? in the very first movie, the first Road Warrior movie, mm-hmm. he's this cop that's trying to keep the right. area safe. Right, right. Um, I did on Twitter. I uh, I had I had this tweet, uh, and I said I didn't expect the most important movie of the year to be a remake of an Australian action movie, and I was really expecting somebody to get in my face and. 
about the idea of it being an important movie, but mostly people just got in my face about it not being a sequel or about it not being a oh, remake. remake. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it is indeed a sequel, yep. I guess. So. Uh, which I thought was odd. but I mean, I've never watched any of the Mad Max films. I tracked along the story pretty well. It doesn't seem like it was necessary. Do you no. gain anything no, from no, the no, first no. two films? Uh, if you want to see, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about this movie, about Fury Road, is this whole world building thing and the depth and the backstory that someone like the flame-throwing guitar guy gets mm-hmm. that is never played out in this movie, but he has this huge backstory. And so George Miller has really built this world. If you and this, you know, Road Warrior is not the first example of a dystopian future. But if you want to see the first time that, you know, a more modern audience gets to see this dystopian future and really come to grips with, well, what happens when we get into this gas war? No, there's a nuclear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in, in the Road Warrior, it's, uh, you know, gas is, is the is the thing. And then water sure. becomes the issue. Uh, and they kind of spell that out at the beginning of the movie. Um, but this was kind of like a modern audience's first take at something that was radically different uh, than anything that we'd seen before. And so if you want to go back and be like we did with the whole Zach on film and the purpose of that, if you want to go back and watch road warrior, I think there's a reason to see it. Mm. Um, but I don't, it's totally not. No, it's totally, I mean, even though these two films are connected, they might as well be as far apart as the number okay. of years that the movies came out. Oh, absolutely. There's no, Nothing about it is necessary. No, uh-uh. uh, I mean, it's been a long time since I saw any of the Mad Max films. And if there are any references to the other Mad Max films, like little shout outs or anything other than Max's relationships from right, the past, right. which, again, you don't need. Right. Um, you just need to know that something happened. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, there's no reason. Like, you don't you don't need to watch previous Mad Max no, movies. No, I don't think so. And. In fact, if you watch this and you loved this movie, going back and watching previous Mad Max movies might actually diminish your your enjoyment of it because I, I, they're different movies. They were made in a different time. Beyond Thunderdome is a radically different movie than Road Warrior was. Uh, Thunderdome went into it with, okay, now we're going to start slapping the stars on and we're going to start slapping more special effects on and we're going to make it more about the bigger and the badder and the, this kind of thing. Where Road Warrior was just this independent movie yeah. that people were just like, what is this crazy <laughs> Car Wars thing? Yep. And uh, it just, you know, it went on from there. So um, it, it, of the two, I think Road Warrior, and I know a lot of people would disagree uh, that uh, Thunderdome was much, much better. But I, I still think Road Warrior is the, the superior of the two previous films. Sure. Because mm-hmm. I, I left this and not knowing anything about the previous films, was like, I hope that there is some way that someone's going to get out more stories of all this crazy stuff they've established like gas town or bullet factory or just all of these different factions. Cause they set up these whole gangs of warriors and they don't get much time, but those guys look interesting. That bullet guy, he was, see, he was crazy that, nuts. Doesn't that make the, the world seem more real when it's like, Oh yeah, these people are just throwing their names off like nobody's business, yeah. and oh, I it's know. like they don't go into. Oh yes, yeah, so over there at Bullet yeah. Town, where they make the bullets, and why we have to go over there to exchange our water well, for those bullets and come back. I mean, you don't have to go into that. No, it's I don't. Just like, I don't want them to in the film, but I want them to give me an avenue where I can uh, learn more. About well, it. actually, there's a comic coming out. Is yes, there from DC yep, Comics? From yeah, Vertigo, yeah, uh, and uh, it will cover the backstory of Immortan Joe mm-hmm. and Nux. Yep. Now that I'm totally down. I was hoping and I thought that that was possible, that this seems like a thing that would have either a prequel tied in comic that maybe I just missed or something like this seems ripe for a comic because it's so visual that it would just lend itself yeah. to the medium so well. Yeah, and, this- and really that's that's one of the strongest aspects of this movie is like visually mm-hmm. it is very specific and just like the... It's so visceral and so well crafted, like mm. everything about it. And the best part about it is that you can infer history from yeah. things. You can infer religion from things, like the way that they're like, "Oh, we're going out," and they all keep their steering wheels yes. and like one kind of monument. So cool. Um, the fact that the bullet town or the bullet farmer guy and the gas town guy. They show up and they join the cavalcade, but they're different. They, and, they and dress the, differently. Yes. They but they're do all brothers. Things. They're all brothers, or at least they refer to each other as brothers. Sure, now, I don't sure. know if that is like, hey, brother, uh, or if it's like, brother, why are we doing this? Or I'm right. going to back you, brother. And it, 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 that's a weird dynamic. So the Mad Max Fury Road, 
uh, series kicks off in July with issue number one, and it does look at Mad Max before um, the events of this film. So if you're wanting to know what the heck is going on with uh, Glory the Young, the little girl, she's involved in this story. Mm -hmm. Uh, Issue two comes out in August, so you can look for that. It is written by George Miller uh, for this, so uh, he's one of the authors in this. So you can expect to see a lot more of those questions that you have being answered in in that comic series. At this point, I really assume that George Miller has written the entire past, present, and future history of Mad Max. And they're just like, hey, can we do a comic on this? And he just like searches through a pile and just like hands (laughs) him a manuscript. From what I understand is apparently there was a lot of delays when they were trying to make this film. And so he has a script or has a treatment at least for the f- sequel to Fury Road. Yeah, it's got so, a yeah. title. It's like Mad Max Wasteland, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. is what it, people mm-hmm. were talking about today on the internet. Yeah. Uh, so that's exciting. I don't know if, you know, the box office, I mean, critically you would think it would earn a sequel, but it generally it all comes down to the money, money, money. Which it did get beat by the pitch perfect that we talked earlier. Yes. Uh, so the weekend domestic release for Mad Max Fury Road was just uh, domestically uh, just over uh, $50 million. Uh, combined with international of $65 million as of this recording today, uh, it's opening week. It's not quite been a week yet, but close enough to being a week. $115 million worldwide. Uh, for its first week release based on a $150 million budget. So by the end of this next weekend, especially if the movie builds up steam as more and more people are like, oh, you got to go see this. You got to go yeah. see this. Got to go see this. Um, it'll it'll definitely pass its production budget. I don't know if it'll pass its marketing budget, which is typically uh, it's going to need to make three, four hundred, five hundred million dollars before the studio sees a profit mm-hmm. in it. But from a production standpoint, it'll it'll pass its production budget. Before this weekend, I think. And the great, by this weekend. And the great thing about this, if it doesn't get a sequel from the studio, it certainly stands by itself and there's no sure. loose ends that you need. Like, oh, what's going to happen to... Right, right. Um, they didn't like, set yeah, it up fine. for a sequel, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is good. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, any other final thoughts? Did you have any problems with the film? Are we going to Steven mentioned the, some of the CG stuff. Um, I didn't have any problems with it, but the movie is, in fact, two action sequences. Yes, it like, is. Everything it, before the sandstorm. Yep. Well, I would, I would, I, I would split it in the middle. Basically, I guess technically it's three. It's like first is Max trying to escape, followed by a little bit of exposition, and then everything from the moment Furiosa leaves into the sandstorm and until they find the other ladies. Mm-hmm. Is one giant action sequence, even even though it slows down and speeds up, is like things slow down and they're like recuperating, and then like a car shows up and they have to go deal yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. Like there's a, like, and then everything back all the way back to the uh, to the to the base. And the thing about it is, is that it's a little exhausting, mm-hmm. honestly. Like I found it, I found at times that I like kind of drifted off. Just because it's like constant, nonstop action, uh-huh. and it's very clever, well choreographed, super cool action. But there's just so much of it for so long, and I was just like drifting away. And also, um, halfway through, I really, really had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I was like, "Well, I know this action scene. If the last giant action scene was any indication, I can go to the bathroom, come back." And maybe a couple characters will have died, but nothing significant will have happened. I, I thought this was a, um, for some reason, my adrenaline didn't get pumping as much as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just kind of mild uh, as far as, as that. So I didn't get exhausted, but I was really amazed by some of the just of the camera work where it's sure. like just really simple things like. Uh, when Joe is slamming his uh, gear shift into drive, where it's I not it's not only just the gear shift coming towards the camera, but it's the camera moving in at the same time so that mm-hmm. the two kind of smash into each other. It, it just, there is, as you said, this iconography throughout the piece where it's like everything from the putting on the mask where you slam into a smash, uh, smash zoom into the... Uh, into the mask being put on or, or the gear shift or the wheels going or whatever it's yeah that that those uh, kind of little gear techniques. shift dagger like getting slammed back into the yeah, yeah yeah it's it's it was very interesting from that i didn't get the adrenaline rush that a lot of other people did but again it may have been because of the guys behind me just wouldn't shut up um the other thing is i'm not a i'm not a big grotesque person right so to me 
everything about the people in this world just was disturbing to me yeah. and kind of a, a big turnoff, whether it be, uh, what's his name? The, um, the money guy with the big swollen legs that yeah. they were lifting around yeah, yeah. or just, you know, just Joe himself or Larry and Barry as, as these yeah, the companions. Tumors, yeah. yeah. The tumors. It was just, to me, it was just like, I don't, yeah. that's, that's something I don't like personally, but in the, in this world, it fit and made sense. Yeah. And, and I usually don't like that either. And that's a big reason why I, one of the reasons why I'm actually not into post-apocalyptic movies. Yeah, I yeah, wasn't yeah. going to go see this movie. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were like, well, we're doing a summer action thing for Zach on film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I'll go see the movie. Um, for me, this movie really overcame that because of the, Again, just like the the moment where it's clear that the director walked up, like licked his licked the tips of his fingers and moved a character's hair over a little bit. Like uh-huh. everything is just so painstakingly, carefully, beautifully grotesque. Like everything looks exactly the way that somebody said this is supposed to look for this very specific reason. Then they don't tell you about it, and they just let you infer every last thing. Yeah, yeah. They never say, "Oh, well, they need these blood bags because every literally everybody who lives here has cancer." Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like uh, you just figure it out. You just mm-hmm. figure it out as you go, and like eventually, you're like, "Oh, that's why this whole thing with the blood." Yeah, yeah. yeah. That like, makes more sense. I thought it just, I just thought he inferred that he just lost blood in a battle. No, no, like he's just needing weak. more blood. Yeah, no, that makes sense more now. Yeah, yeah, just like everybody's like poisoned and yeah. messed up. Yeah. And like some I don't think they explained it. Of course, obviously I missed that. Uh but the silver spray, I'm like, yeah, oh, we're gonna die now. Shh, spray. Right. Go die. They never really touch on that. No, they really. don't. It's a religious rite. Yeah. Right. And it's like they that's that's what it gets. Uh, another thing, like just uh, you know, the the movie uh Nux starts out the movie fully uh, yeah, wired into white, the camp, yeah. And um with the dark mm-hmm. painted eyes and the skull nose and everything. And as the movie goes on, for perfectly legit re- reasons, his makeup starts to come off. Yeah, and yeah. by the end of the movie, he just looks like a normal person just with the scars in yeah, his yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. in his mm-hmm. mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, that's like basically two people actually is like, this is a movie about Furiosa, but the only two people that actually get an arc are the two dudes. Yeah. Like Max comes around and Nux comes around. Yeah. Everyone else is just kind of continues to pursue the same goal throughout. Yeah, it's right. interesting you say that because the women are so established in like their self identity of who yep. they are and understand and like, what they're doing, how powerful yeah. they are like right. inwardly. Yeah. They don't have to. Everyone else is like, uh, we're just going to kill everyone. Yeah. But they're like, we know who we are. We're strong. Uh, no, we're not things. Yeah. And then Max and Nux change throughout the thing. Well, and the best part, you know, at, at, with that realization, I think Max learns fairly early on that, Furiosa knows what the hell she's doing. Yeah. But it's abundantly clear when he's in that rifle scene where he's trying to take out the uh, bullet town leader uh. and he just can't shoot. And one of the uh, five wives is like, you got one bullet left. And Furiosa comes up behind him and he just gives her the gun and becomes the kickstand for the gun. Yeah. And he's just like, you're better at this than me. I'm not going to try to be macho and fire off this last gun. This last shot, you go do it. And that's and that's what that's what made me like Max as a character, that scene definitely, yeah. where he's just like because Max is not someone who needs to. He doesn't have anything to prove. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to get out of here. Yeah, like yeah. the whole, the like yeah, that's what he wants, right? He his, just yeah, wants to get out. His his motivation is to get out of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> he just wants to make it to the credits. Is basically what Max is after. And yeah, anytime that he like can't do something, he just lets somebody else do it. Yeah. Like yeah. he is like. Um, you know, pointing guts at people and 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 stuff, and then like eventually he's just like, "Yep, I'm just gonna go do that thing over there. I guess you guys can just leave without me or kill me or whatever, but I'm just gonna go do that." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like, yeah. and you know, he kind of like joins the team, and he doesn't join it reluctantly. No, he's just he's just like, "Oh, okay, so we're all trying to do this do thing. Let's thing, yeah. let's just do it." Yeah, because yeah. that scene uh, when she uses his shoulder as a steady pod, I thought two things. Uh, right in the moment in the scene, I said, "Oh, his hearing is yeah, gone." That's what I thought like, too. He's not gonna yeah. hear anything after this. Yeah. Uh, but then I thought about it more and talking about like he gives her the gun. The lazy way that scene is written all the time is he misses, he misses. She's like, "Oh," and he just goes grabs the gun and shoots it. And he's like, "Oh, girls shoot!" 
That's right, like right, that's right, how you right. see like action films like oh girls can do things. But he's like oh no, just do it because yeah. you. I'm, well, and I'm she's the, the one that gets the dig. She gets the dig on him where she's just like, don't move, you know, and just or don't breathe. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't breathe. breathe. Just you know, be still so I can do this. So mm-hmm. yeah, Zach, what did you think of this movie? I mean, we haven't oh, heard from you that. Much. I mean, you, you asked all the questions. Uh, yeah, that's because I love this movie. Uh, it was so awesome. Uh, I anticipated this film for a long time before it released. I was really looking forward to it, and it like just blew me away on how much better it was. I mean, from every aspect, because it was all visual uh, going into this for the trailer. I thought the trailers just looked awesome, and they were interesting and uh, grabbed me. But then, uh, you know, he brings in the element with all the wives and Furiosa, and I thought it was just so well done and it's a genre that i don't generally like but this is a film that i would watch again in theaters and would hope to get to watch again in theaters which hasn't happened for a while i mean like i want to experience it on this because a lot of films i would watch again is like oh this will play just fine if i watch it at home like this film is like i want to watch it on the biggest i think if i were going to watch this again it would be just to look at technique and look for subtle storytelling Yep. Bits that I may have missed the first time, but I've kind of seen what I need to see in this movie, I think, and got out of it what I got out of it, I think. So I don't, I'm not, it's, it's a very good movie, um, but I'm not sure that this is something for me that it's a must see again. I really liked it, but I, I, other people, Scott Johnson has said this is for him, it's the best movie to have come out in the last 10 years, I think, or 15 years, I think is what he said. Um, it's very good. Yeah. But I'm I'm not as gung ho about it as, as other people are. And obviously, you know, Zach, it's great that you love this yeah. so much. Uh but for me it's just like not that much. Um I to be honest, uh like um post apocalyptic stuff, not a huge fan. Um super duper raw action movies, uh, not a huge fan. Like an action movie has to also have some other stuff. I'm much more of a fan of like martial arts movies. Or sci-fi movies with a lot right, of action, right, right. that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but uh, Mad Max is transcendent in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It's like it's action movie plus. It's so pretty. It's right, so right. good. It's like the post-apocalyptic action movie, yes, right? Yes. It, it's uh-huh. really taken that as its thing, especially since we, since you know, probably the early '90s, we haven't seen too many of them. No, um, the the genre really dried out. So. For me, this is probably going to end up uh, in the rotation with the Battle of Helm's Deep when I want to have an action movie playing while I'm like organizing my magic cards or Mm -hmm. something like that. Like this movie's action is so pretty, constant, and interesting. And it's non apologetic in the fact that it's, you know, that it's this is action. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, like if you've seen the trailer, that. All that crazy stuff that happens in the trailer happens in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And the movie only escalates from there. It's <laughs> ludicrous. It's just constant. I mean, if you listen to Zach on film, you heard me say that at the beginning of Age of Ultron, somebody throws a punch and they don't stop punching until the end. That was an exaggeration. This is not. Right. This movie <laughs> is one constant action scene. There's like, enough There's enough downtime to catch your breath. But other than that, is, it's like, let's go. There is enough downtime for you to actually. The, no, there's not. There's not enough downtime for you to learn everybody's names, but enough downtime <laughs> to learn everybody's motivations. Yeah, and then we're back on the road, mm-hmm. the Fury Road. <laughs> oh, so I thought a great installment for the second film of the summer movie series. Uh, we're doubling up this week because schedules. So this will come out at a weird time. So. Awesome for that for you listeners out there. We're also going to be recording a show on Thursday because Steven is mean and we <laughs> are going to go watch. I, I like to think it's, a, I'm going to blame it on my theater and not on you, Steven, because we're not having a seven o'clock showing of Tomorrowland for some reason. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, but that, we are. No, that, that movie theater, God dang. They're horrible. Just, you know, I, I looked up, so this is, what is it, Starplex? Yeah. Their motto let me look it up here real quick. Their motto is essentially cheap movies. Cheap movie theater experience is what their motto is. <laughs> uh, Starplex Cinema, I think is what it is. Uh, let me look it up here. Come on, come on, come on. Uh, yeah, uh, so I mean, my, have... my own experience. I went yeah. to watch uh, Avengers 
the first Avengers movie in 3D, and there was a speck at the center of the screen. Oh, yeah. Which is totally, because the speck was not in 3D, because it was just dirt. (laughs) It made the movie difficult to watch. Uh, The first five minutes of Battle of the Five Armies were pink and green, Mm -hmm. because their channels were mixed up. Um, This movie, I went in, and we started, we got through, like, the preview stuff, like, the pre-preview stuff, like, the, the actual commercials. And I was like, wow, so far nothing bad has happened. Could this be the movie that I watch at this theater where nothing goes wrong? <laughs> and the previews start, and I'm like, that's weird that they changed the previews so that all of the text is so much bigger and it butts right up against the no, top and sides the, of the screen. That's the thing that I hate about our theater is that they overshoot the screen. Oh, exactly, was, exactly. The- it is, And I was like... Uh, like as I was watching it and I watching the previews and like stuff happening at the edges that I can't yeah. see and I was like oh no oh I got uh-huh. pissed the minute oh, that that happened no. we must have, did you see it in the medium sized theater yeah yeah so we saw it in the same one and I was just like when that hap- happened and there was this framing where it's like the guy yes. was right above his eyebrows was cut off I was like mother F if this is the way this whole movie is going to be I'm going to go and throttle someone right here on the Starplex Cinemas page they are called Discount theaters. Yep, and yeah. it's a well, certainly a discount ex- experience. I'm well, very disappointed uh, in this theater, listeners. Maybe you to, had a better uh, experience, but man, Zach, I feel sorry in, for your in-laws. Join in on the thing. Uh, I'm watching pile the film. On. I'll pile on. There's one thing that happened bad in my movie is watching the film. It's going great. Uh, nothing's wrong, and then <laughs> it's so strange because I thought, well, surely this must be part of the film because that's too crazy for this to happen. I was like, is this movie buffering? <laughs> oh, no. It, it, there was, it only happened, I think, twice where it was like, and it was mostly in the audio. You could hear like the yeah, digital yeah. artifacting. It's like, oh, are, we in, the, are we in the Matrix watching this film? Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like it was in, very strange. It's like in uh, your uh, Taylor Swift video where they actually, yeah. they use that uh, yeah, digital yeah, the, the glitch, yeah. digital glitching mm-hmm. to actually transition between scenes. No, that yeah. didn't happen to me, thank it goodness. The but the other thing was their preview projector. I started noticing all the pixels in the projector and I was like, please yeah. don't let, I don't want to see pixels in this, in this thing. But, you know, I really enjoy sitting in the other room and watching stuff on my big screen on the mm-hmm. projector there because it's a nice experience. I don't have douchebags sitting behind me just like, bah, 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 bah. I do her. Oh, I do her. How about you? Blah, blah. And it's just like, shut up. And it happens. <laughs> it happens more often than not. Now, luckily it didn't happen to us at Avengers. Although the, one of the people behind us, she kept trying to quote lines before they came out. I don't know if you guys caught that. And it's <laughs> no, like, and then she was no. totally wrong on what line they were going to say next. And it's like, oh, please, come on. Um, but that does annoy annoy me a lot. Yeah. So, anyway. So, Poltergeist, Zach. But Poltergeist, so I'm terrified. I read an early review, and I, it seems like there's not many jump scares, but. Here's, here's the problem that I, that I foresee with Poltergeist rated PG 13. Interesting. I believe the original Poltergeist, I, I'd have to check, but it was going to be a lot more scarier than PG-13. I think the original Poltergeist came out before the ratings, though, didn't it? Um, well, it would have been either PG or R, uh, and I'm going to bet that it was not... Uh, let's see if I can find the rating for it. I, I'm going to bet it was not PG. Was the first one like Spielberg produced? Yep. No, he directed it. He directed it. Oh, he directed it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's one of his earlier things. Uh 82 before he is like right after or right at the same, maybe it's the same time as Raiders of the Lost Ark came out. I forget what. I don't know. But um, yeah, no, it was, it was great. Craig T. Nelson and all these other people in it. And uh, man, it had a lot of skills. So I'm. uh, Poltergeist was rated PG. So there you go. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm uh, very scared. Not incredibly looking forward to it. uh, But it. Should be a fun conversation afterwards. You'll have that coming out on Friday, and then we'll just go on from there. Steven's favorite entourage is coming up soon. We probably won't watch that for Zach on film. Oh, we won't? Probably not, because it's going to be so far into... (laughs) It's kind of like doing something on Sex and the City, right? Right. I mean, you really have to be a fan of Entourage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, when Zach was like, oh, we're going to do Entourage, and I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching the the trailer for it, and then I watched the... uh, the extended bit the other day, and I was like, nobody's going to watch this except for me. Okay, good. Because I was watching, I was like, 
this uh, this doesn't look good. Oh, no, it doesn't interest me at all. No, no, it's only going to interest me. I am the only person interested in seeing that movie. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to see ticket sales for Entourage this weekend. $15 from one man in Hayes, Kansas, who went to a discount theater. Yep, and all of that was popcorn. Yes. Yep. Yes. All right, so uh, thanks for joining us for this episode of Zach on Film. I uh, hope you enjoyed uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Take to Majorspoilers.com and find that podcast posting page and give your th- comments about all the subjects we have talked about this episode. Click on the Amazon.com link if you're going to buy any cool movies. A little bit will come back to Major Spoilers. It'll help us continue to watch all these great films this summer. Uh, that's it. We'll see you soon in the next episode of Zach on Film. Copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.